Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in wide. Close by Bishop. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. On the back of another forgettable week for the Dons, as a pair of defeats saw them fall to ninth in the table, we'll ask if there's any hope of a revival in time to rescue our Scottish, hope, Scottish Cup hopes in Lanarkshire at the weekend. Now joining us to do just that tonight are firstly, very much the James Richardson of this podcast. You should really be picturing Christy Keenan at a small table in a busy piazza with the Italian sports pages spread out in front of him. Um, while pontificating on the dons. Now, Christy, please don't disabuse us of this uh, of this notion of the picture we've built up. It's actually fairly accurate. I, good, I've got good. Haircut, beard combo too. <laughs> excellent, excellent, and, and a small coffee by the side of the table as well, just for the uh, just for the full effect. Anyway, uh, making his here we go debut tonight. It's uh, Phil McDonald. Now, Phil, I'm very much hoping you're the type of fan that likes to pick over the bones of a defeat because otherwise it's going to be a pretty inauspicious debut for you <laughs> yeah in forensic detail for sure thank you very much for having me on appreciate it our pleasure absolutely back then to saturday in another disjointed and disappointing performance on the carpet at livingston obviously the first thing i think people noticed christy was that joe lewis was out mentioned as being ill in the post-match briefings I, I mean it's we don't want to speculate too much about a player's health but the fact that he was also ill for last night suggests it's probably the well not the big c but the smaller c caused him to miss saturday a lot of people early in the season were suggesting that um joe lewis and um gary woods was it was a pretty fair fight do you think there's some blue water between them do you think we're severely weakened when joe lewis isn't in the team right now I think certainly we're weakened when um, informed Joe Lewis isn't in the team. Like his Lewis's ceiling is much higher than Woods's. When when Lewis was going through his blip earlier in the season, I think it was fair to um, to you know call it a coin flip between them. But uh, Joe has been good uh, since coming back into the team, coming back into form, and I think it would be um, I think we're certainly weaker without him, as the last couple of games have exemplified. To be honest. Yeah, and it's also very much, I suppose, Christy, just uh, the fact that it's part of the pitch where you want stability, you want those relationships to build. And it seems that we've, you know, we finally hit upon a centre-half pairing, although more of that to come later. Um, <laughs> and it, it seemed there was a degree, at least, of um, not the most solid, but at least a relationship building up between them. They kind of understood how the other player was going to play We've gone a little bit more direct from the back. We've ditched the necessity that the keeper always has to play it out short. Things like that, just to you know, help them 
build that relationship and it's um it's just another disruption we could do without it's it's definitely a disruption it's not ideal um with that said our our goalkeeper slash center half um understanding clearly hasn't been good enough even with it being joe and the two center backs like for the quality of player we have in there it's been hopeless all season relatively speaking so i you know i Although I would rather have Joe in the team than Woods, I, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the understanding between um, Joe and the, the centre backs is, is you know a huge mess yet. Um, but you know, like you say, I mean the way we are right now and with the defensive performances we've been putting in, um, I would always rather have. I would always feel safer with Joe in between the sticks. Well, the other sort of big change, I suppose, Phil, was that uh, Adam Montgomery, one of the uh, transfer window signings, uh, was actually starting. Um, I, I've always seen him as a left-back, um, but on Saturday he started as one of the three attacking midfielders playing wide on the left. Is playing a, a sort of young kid from Celtic who is known as a left-back as one of your attacking midfielders just a real sign of how bad that transfer window actually went? Yeah, it's it's a strange one, really, because you think, you know, bringing in Basayan that we'd maybe see, you know, a formation maybe suited to, to his strengths, you know, bringing him in, you'd think would maybe be replacing some of the creativity and some of the drive that we lost when Hedges left. But we haven't really seen that. Obviously, Hedges' strength was, you know, getting the ball from deep and driving at fullbacks. It was a nightmare for them in that regard. But you know, and what we've seen from Besayan so far, it seems to be that that we're, you know, going to have to play it to him on the edge of the penalty area. But you were speaking about Montgomery in particular. Obviously, you know, I think it probably is the sign that the window didn't go the way we wanted it to go. You know, we clearly needed some attacking options up at the end of the, the park, but we just haven't got them. So, I mean, you have to say it hasn't gone as we intended and it does look like it's going to be a long end to the season if, if we can't you know find a way to to give teams a different challenge at that side of things i mean yet again christy a slow start and not just a slow start but just how easily that our game was our game plan was able to be hustled off course by an opponent just willing to take it to us and, you know, f- f- happy to let us have the ball, knowing that uh, if they were compact, they kept their shape, we were going to struggle to break them down and we were actually going to struggle to even look like breaking them down, you know, struggle to get touches in the the final third even. Um, we're not good enough yet, are we, to, to go to other venues in particular and impose any kind of style of play? No, we're not. And it's such a indictment of the way we're organized um we're, we're so soft i know mckinnis said this many times um when he was at st johnston he used to relish coming to Pitodry because the dogs were just soft in the center just didn't have any heart and were very easy if you could win that physical fight early on you'd coast through the game and that's exactly what happened with libby um and it's just so so frustrating because we're we're being tactically outmaneuvered and um and it's so obvious it, it just seems so obvious to anyone um 
looking on that you can beat Aberdeen by by or you can win the game by outmuscling Aberdeen in the first 20 minutes. Um, and that's exactly what happened. If the Dons don't get off to a very strong start, i.e. if we don't score the first goal, we just don't seem to have it in us to, to be up for the fight. I know it's been a couple of times, Livy away right at the start springs to mind, where we managed to come back. But really, um, we're just giving ourselves so much to do. And we're not good enough to, to win by giving other teams a goal start. Um, that's I, I think that's the, the major frustration. They know that if they get ahead, basically they'll coast their way to three points, just frustrate us. And actually, that's doing a disservice to Livy because they didn't just frustrate us, they outplayed us for an hour. It's been a long time since I've seen an Aberdeen side that just can't cope with a mental challenge of being away from home, you know, having that fortitude of knowing that we'd need to be in a fight because, you know, teams with their home crowd behind them are going to get at us. And we just look like we'll fold like a deck of cards whenever, you know, teams drive at us away from home in particular. And I think that's a real concern. And you speak about the physical challenge as well. That's something that we really do need to, to get to grips with quickly because, you know, it's a huge game on Saturday away from home against a team that famously are quite physical. We're going to need to, get ready for that challenge under McInnes I know like like they weren't all I know the whole Rose didn't specs thing um but in a difficult game in a battle in a tough away day under McInnes you would at least look around the 11 and see plenty of character in there and you look around our 11 right now and obviously well Scott Brown wasn't playing and he's probably the one maybe Lewis Ferguson maybe Ross McCrory there's precious few Johnny Hayes I guess there's precious few who um, look like they've got the stomach for a battle, like a real tough game where you have to go grind it out away from home on, on the AstroTurf. Um, they they were our bread and butter um, under McInnes, and, and we've just gone so far the other way. We're so soft now. They're so um, fundamentally men, uh, mentally weak as well, I'd say. Um, there just doesn't look like there's enough people there willing to relish the battle and dig deep and, and put in an amazing performance when the others around them aren't. And this surely starts at the top, Phil, doesn't it? It's, a, it? it's the idea of trying to impose a football philosophy before you actually have the basic building blocks of a good football team in place. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, under McInnes, we saw you know, a real mental strength, particularly in, in kind of the earlier part of his time in the hot seat. And we just don't see that in the current team under, you know, Stephen Glass. And I think he has, you know, he talks, a, you know, I, I like the way that the Glass talks, but he has to you know, drill it into the team that, you know, you need to behave like an Aberdeen team when you go away from home. You need to, you know, you have to act like, you are going and going to go get that three points because right now we just look like we're, you know, turning up for a game. And, you know, you've got to go and impose yourself, particularly away from home. And it's just, it's not what we've seen this season. And, and that was one of McInnes' strengths is that he really drilled it into teams, go and fight for the three points. The idea that we've been easy to defend against has definitely been there for, for longer than Stephen Glass has been there. The last couple of seasons of Derek McInnes' reign were definitely decreasing circles um, in an attacking sense. And it seems that teams were wise to how we attacked. 
it seems again now that teams are, are completely content, Christy, to, to let us have as much possession as we want, particularly when we are away from home, because they know that we, you know, we don't have a player as capable of creating that space or, or providing that spark in a 1v1. Or we don't have the accuracy or speed of passing to actually open them up in a way that Celtic might do. I can see this getting worse before it gets better because it's just knowledge of how to of how to set up against us and how how to prevent us from playing isn't going to take long if managers such as David Martindale have have cracked it. Yeah, it's exactly right, and the the, the frustration I think um, if you if you think about Celtic and Rangers, a horrible um, you know, horrible um, examples to set, but but they're in a similar spot in that they dominate possession um, every week by and large, uh, but they, they grind out the wins. Now, I, I know budgets, superior players and all of that, but but the, the sheer lack of dynamism that we show in the final third under glass, a complete throwback to, to McInnes's last couple of seasons where that was the, the biggest... Um, sort of accusation leveled against and we get into the final third we do all right with the ball we get into the final third we've got good players and then we're just so pedestrian we just we just want to coast out you know walk it into the net rather than actually uh, moving at pace in the final third and it seems i don't know what it is because we do have pacey players we do have players with um with skills with trickery we've got we've got the whole lot there and yet, for whatever reason, um, we just become so ponderous. I, I find it um, really tough to watch. And you would hope by now that things would have clicked. You can understand it in the early stages, but actually, it, it seems to be the opposite under Glass. We started the season actually doing that fairly well. That was that was one of the last things you would level at us. Um, we were we were probably a bit too um, gung ho, but but now. I don't know, maybe we've overcorrected. I'm not sure what's going on, but it wasn't until um, the the Celtic game this week in the second half where we clearly just decided to, to go all out um, that, that we actually looked like a side capable of creating, capable of um, playing at high tempo. And um, yeah, under glass, just the, it's so unbelievably frustrating how often we get the ball wide we get the ball to the feet of good players and then we're so static um yeah so much to improve in the final third and actually in the defensive third my goodness so much to improve all the parts <laughs> to be honest <laughs> it's a week both games this week have featured um a wholesale change from the starting system the starting setup uh, from the manager um halftime against Celtic last night there was a shift and at Livingston the shift um, seemed to come after about an hour um, an hour which Livingston frankly totally dominated um, up to that point where we where we got back into the game um, sloppy careless and, and, and just lethargic Phil which is one of the worst things you can really label a team in this league because if anything you know your energy levels that's the bare minimum that you're looking for even at half time, you're kind of hoping for a reaction to to what was a completely nothing first half. Two sides came out at the start of the second, and Livingston's dominance of anything was greater, um, and, and and looked as if they could score at will and were cutting us open at will, until of course the goal does change things completely about the game, and maybe the setup does as well. Um, it's 
it's frustrating because we've spoken a lot about that sh- that shift to three at the back maybe being a solution for some of the defensive frailties but very often and it is a small sample size but it, it's it sacrifices a little a little bit of attacking intent um because we have actually been okay at um at getting at least a good starting position on the pitch with uh, a back four. But on Saturday, it, it just didn't seem as if we were engaging as high at the pitch as we have been this season. Yeah, the, the issue on formations is quite interesting, actually. I've never really been a fan of, of the three at the back with the wing backs because, you know, it forces us to sit deeper. You know, you want your, your attacking players to be, you know, quite well advanced in the final third. But, yeah, I just... I've never been a fan of it, and I don't think I've ever seen you know a, a Don's team in particular play well under that system. But you know, you are right about you know the Livingston game. You know, lethargic really was the word. We looked like we were, you know, not happy, obviously, to to have them you know come on to us and and try and threaten. And it would have been three nil, obviously, not for that you know pretty decent Gary Wood save. But you know, our goal you know comes from you know a really you know forward thinking bit of play you know obviously the ball over the top and then you know Basayan does well to to get the the ball forward and then it comes across McCrory swings it back and Ramirez you know delivers a, an excellent finish you know that's a a good good move and you know we need we did not see enough of that and that's the the problem and you know we've got to to have that confidence to actually you know move forward at speed which we just we have not seen enough this season so we're back in the game and you think again it was very much like the Dundee game we played so terribly for an hour and we get a goal almost out of nowhere and you think there's enough time here to do something there's still a quarter of the game to go we've got a bit of momentum surely Livingston themselves not on a great run they're going to be a, a, a bit worried and a bit concerned but but again for the fact that we did create them a bit more problem a few more problems we you never really felt that Aberdeen were going to equalise, did you? No, not really. I mean, there was a lot of effort, a lot of huffing and puffing, which has been, you know, the story of of the last few months, really. You know, when we're, we're chasing a goal or, you know, or chasing an equaliser or a winner, there has been that sort of sinking feeling in, in the pit of your stomach, thinking this just isn't going to happen for us. And it was very much the same against Livingston. And I think it just summed up you know, where we're at when J. Emmanuel Thomas has that shot deflected off the line. You just think, you know, that was almost written in the stars given he was returning to Ahmedvale after a very sort of decent spell with Livy. And it's just when when your luck isn't there, it just really isn't there. And, you know, I suppose fortunately in, in the last sort of decade, it's not something that we've been used to while watching the Dons. You know, we've been, you know, quite quick to come up with, you know, big goals but you know, I suppose with the exception of Teddy Jenks's goal at McDermott Park, and and I guess you know obviously Jack McKenzie's at, at you know the the same fixture at Almond Vale, you know we've we've maybe just not seen it, and and it's it's a problem, and I suppose that was another strength of McInnes is that you know while it maybe wasn't always glamorous to watch, we always went to the end, and you know we did have a habit of sometimes getting that big goal, and it's it's a problem, and you just you hope that you know. We can refine, you know, we can find that again. But of course, the bottom line, Phil, is that um, you go two 0 down, and it's um, you're leaving yourself too much to do, aren't you? 
yeah, we shouldn't be in these positions in the first place. And a lot of the goals that we've been conceding have been, you know, through through sloppy defending, through miscommunication. I mean, if you look at the Celtic game, you know, the first is, you know, very preventable, really. You know, either, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know, you might have different views on this. I, I don't know whether it's a case of Ramsey has to be more alert and blue to it, or if Woods needs to to give the shout and, and be more commanding in the box. I, I think it, it was quite similar in some respects to the goal that we conceded at home, the first to Rangers, when, you know, it gets delivered into an absolutely horrible area and Haji sticks it away. And, and this time, obviously, Jota, you know, it's it's a problem, you know, that we have seen that, that problem with the defence and that sort of miscommunication. And it is strange because, you know, we've got, you know, good players at the back, you know, obviously don't need to say anything about Ramsey, you know, Bates, I think, is the real deal. I think since he's come in, he's shown his quality and, and him and McCrory have, you know, have looked quite good at the back together. But we just, we have that error in us. And, and it was the same against against Livy. You know, we've, it's a habit that we're, we're getting into and we've got to kick. So following on from Saturday, we go into last night's match against Celtic. And he keeps the 3-5-2 formation. And... I, I sense that he doesn't really believe in this formation, Christy. I sense that he really is wedded to the 4-2-3-1. And the 3-5-2 has almost been... He's gone for this because he feels he has to change something. I don't know if it was a particular... I don't believe it was a particular tactical decision in order to match up Celtic or anything like that. I think he just thought, I have to try something here. I think you may well be right. My My instinct is he wanted more leaders on the park wanted more physicality um, and there was a chance to get Gallagher on. For, for all that Gallagher has been a disappointment since he's come, um, we've got ample evidence that he's a quality um, Premier League defender. So I, I don't blame Glass at all for trying to get him onto the park. Um, also, Funzo uh, has, has been very poor the last few weeks, even though I, I quite like him as a player. So it seemed like um, a reasonable, sh- you know, a reasonable tactical switch to accommodate them, but it left us so hopelessly exposed down the flanks, and it adds so much of Ramsey, who um, hasn't quite shown thus far that he's ready for that level of responsibility, taking care of the whole flank. He, I, I do feel that he needs to be helped out by a partner. Um, and, and, and so it proved, I don't know, maybe I'm captain hindsight here as well, but um, so it proved we, we were just so weak um, down the flanks and, and Celtic, honestly, in that first half hour just looked like they, they could score at will. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was horrifying. Thank goodness. I mean, thank goodness things turned in the second half. But yeah, Glass, I don't know. Um, it's, it's tricky because... It's not going well for Glass, so the temptation is to find new dimensions to, to criticise him um, across. But also, you could say that um, the tactical shift yesterday um, maybe maybe wasn't so bad at all because we actually we actually put in a, a well look any defeats never good, but we actually um, gave a decent account of ourselves particularly after halftime, scored a couple of good goals. And so, you know, it's, it's 
I don't know if it's completely fair to use that um, dimension to criticize Glass across, but but right now, frankly, I don't know. Even even trying to find stuff to defend him over is kind of tough because he's it's not happening for him at all. I think my main criticism, Phil, was wasn't you know fine, go to a different shape, but there was no evidence that they had really worked on the press in that shape that they really understood whose responsibility was it to uh, mark certain Celtic players in that shape. You know, all the sort of build, again, the building blocks of what he's been working towards in a 4-2-3-1, I, I just don't think they were really there in the 3-5-2. We, we, we stood off Celtic, and it was very reminiscent of a lot of past displays by, you know, far... Uh, for Celtic teams far further forward in their progression than the one last night. Um that have come to Pataudry under Derek McInnes's in Derek McInnes's time and just swatted us aside. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I think, you know, just look at the first half, you know, the first half hour we were we were chasing shadows. You know, I think we only really saw the, the press a couple of times really when you thought, okay, we might actually get the ball back here and, and it never really came off and Celtic weren't having that good a game really. I mean you know, the the first goal is, is obviously, you know, maybe the defending needs to be better there. I've mentioned it already, but you know, the second obviously, you know, we sit off them a bit and, and O'Reilly is clearly a, a quality player and he gets lucky with the, the deflection which which takes it in. But you know, I think when we moved, when we did change formation a bit, uh, eventually, you know, we did see, you know, particularly but you know, McCrory, you know, I think had a, a pretty decent game, you know, was was really good at getting up the line. And I think that was probably the, the aim with playing Ramsey a bit further forward is that we would sort of, we would be able to, to hit the byline a bit more and, and get the balls in. And I think, you know, playing Messiah and up, up closer to Ramirez, I think was probably in response to the fact that, you know, Ramirez has been pretty isolated in, in a lot of the games that we've played. So you could kind of see what Glass was trying to do, but, you know, it just, it wasn't really working in that, you know, Celtic just, they were happy to just, you know, they were finding the, the free man and they, they got that time on the ball. And, and, you know, when you give a team like Celtic that amount of time and, you know, with the, the patience that they're willing to show, they will score. Well, let's talk about that first goal in a bit more detail because um, it, it's very avoidable, isn't it? Right from right from the fact that David Bates is a little bit late to try and try and stop the cross. <clears throat> Again, it's maybe unusual to see Bates out there, but of course, remember that we were playing the three at the back. Then we get um, a ball which is into a difficult, challenging area, but um, it's just a lack of decisiveness from both. Woods and Ramsey, and it's it is as you've already alluded to, Christy, very similar to that goal that um, Hadji scored, um, if about three weeks ago at Petrodri. Uh, just nobody w- willing to take responsibility in the centre of that defence, and um, Calvin Ramsey sleeping a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, responsibility is the word because um, the two of them are are lacking any sort of leadership any sort of conviction just waiting for the other one to take responsibility the amount of goals that we've lost this season um that were so obviously avoidable is is just ridiculous when you consider how hard we seem to be working for hours they all seem to come from set pieces which we spent forever um training and then we give away goals as softly as those or goals as soft as those and and just the um 
yeah, the lack of conviction. We saw it very similar with Ramsey the other week at St. Mirren when he was so slow to um, to actually defend when, when faced up one-on-one by the guy that scored the winning goal. And then here, the ball comes across, and, and I apportion most of the blame to Woods. But still, the fact that um, the two of them are kind of waiting for each other to go deal with it is, is such an indictment of the way that we're set up, the way we're organised defensively, because no one's um, no one's looking like they're going to just go in and take control of it. I mean, I know look, Scott McKenna was, was not the perfect centre-back by any stretch, but my goodness, you know, he would, he would rarely let um, someone sneak in there. And, uh, and the fact that, that we are letting that happen, the fact that we're conceding goals from inside the six-yard box from crosses, not from rebounds, it's just unbelievable to me. I just can't understand what, <laughs> what they're doing defensively in training if, can't, if they can't handle a ball into the six-yarder. It's, the, it's, yeah. Anyway, completely exasperated by that. <laughs> And it, it really is. It's the, it's the basic building blocks of how you build a half-decent football team. It, uh, and those are the errors we're making. But on Calvin Ramsey, in the long run, he's going to be absolutely fine, isn't he? He's so much natural talent, so good with the ball at his feet. That first touch is an absolute joy to behold. But right now, Phil, right now, would you take him out of the firing line for a little bit? I think there's certainly an argument for it. You know, he's 18 years old and, and the, the last couple of months he's had, you know, it would affect anyone. But when you're that age and you're getting, you know, that much attention, you know, your your game is naturally going to suffer. And I think, you know, McCrory showed yesterday that he could do a job at right back. We've seen Ojo play there and he's done okay. Um, but the thing is then, you know, you're, you're shifting things and you're changing up, you know, I would say a settled defence, but they haven't really done much to, to show that they deserve that tag, yeah, I mean, uh, given the goals we've been losing. But, settled on personnel, you know, I suppose. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, seeing, you know, Bates and McCrory get a good run together, you know, we've we've seen quite a lot of different, I suppose, pairings over the years, so we're kind of hoping this will be the one that sticks, but I think we've got to, in the long run, look at, you know, I'm, I'm straying away from the question, I'll make it quick, but I think we've got to look at getting McCrory into the midfield again, where he has more influence. I think that's got to be you know, something that we look at when we have, you know, Considine coming back and hopefully Devlin, that'll give us an option. I, I don't think Gallagher is, is a long-term option whatsoever. But in terms of getting Ramsey, I think it is certainly something that I would be in favour of because, you know, I think weirdly in a way, we look better defensively when he's out of the team because he's, he's clearly so, so good going forward. I mean, some of the crosses he's delivered, you know, the assists and... You know, the corners he takes, clearly such natural ability there. But also, we're in a bit of a pickle and we need defensive security. And we're just not seeing that from the, the back four that we've got just now. So I think, that, you know, to, to answer the question, I would be in favour of taking him out for a few games. And, you know, I suppose it's a strange one because obviously Jack McKenzie has, hasn't had much game time recently due to injury. So, you know, I'm not really a fan of playing in a a team with no natural fullbacks in there. I think Johnny Hayes has got to get pushed further forward as well in the long run. So, you know, it's we're going to have to roll the dice a bit. And I think we've got to sort the defence. And if that means taking Ramsey out for a, for a period, then so be it. I would imagine we would put Kennedy in. Um, 
at, at right wing back. But if we go back to four at the back, I just I don't see how we um, replace Ramsey with the, the current squad. I just, um, yeah, McCrory's the only viable option. And um, I don't know, he's, he's been our best defender. So, yeah, that would be my concern. I would also leave Ramsey in the team um, just in, in terms of his own development. I, I always think with an inexperienced player, um, the, the argument about protecting them, um, I think you do that when the heat's off them a bit. Take them out. When he's when he's got a game or two, a, a half decent game or two under his belt, when he's when he's got back to some kind of equilibrium. But I think if you take him out now, when the attention's on him and a bit of the blames on him, I, I think that it'll do him a lot of harm. Now I can understand as well that people might say, well, look, you know, we we're trying to win football matches here. You don't just keep someone in the team because, um, you know, psychologically it would be better for them. Um, but there's short of a really strong option, I would keep uh, Ramsey in the team for just now. It's a it's a hard one because you also risk denting his confidence if you take him out of the team. You know he has that protection yeah. and he'll have that time to to sort of clear his head. But you know if you get dropped when really you've not been the only one that has performed badly. You know there's there's enough players in the team that you know you can say well he was at fault for this goal, he was at fault for that goal, and and Ramsey really. You know, he's not been a standout bad player. On the contrary, he's been one of our star performers this season. But you, you just think, yes, you know, you do need to, to give him that that breathing space. And he is still, he's still learning the trade. You know, he's clearly got such ability, but it would, I think, be better in the long run to, to give him that rest. What about on uh, Phil's uh, Ross McCrory shirt, Christy? I, I'm never convinced that McCrory's really got the ball skills to play further forward. I mean, do you mean centre midfield? Yes. Or yeah, yeah. yeah well, right I mean, back. we saw, yeah, we saw a season of McGrory at centre midfield um, last season, and he started strongly, and then honestly, um, I don't know, he's got a good PR guy or something, because no one seemed to talk badly about him. But I thought he was, I thought he was pretty poor for a large part of last season. He's clearly a good player, but um, he seemed to escape a lot of the criticism. I. I like Ross McCrory as a player. I like his energy, um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm. I think we're a stronger side with him in it. But in the midfield with Scott Brown, and Lewis Ferguson, I don't see particularly what McCrory's adding to it. Um, I can see McCrory being a good alternative to Scott Brown, albeit not one who sits so much, but for one who does, um, uh, you know, the the ugly work. Um, but yeah, as you say, Richard, I don't think he's got the ball skills yet to um, to you know be a, a creative midfielder. I think Lewis Ferguson's the better option. Um, so I, I just don't really see what he's going to bring to the midfield. Um, you could you know you could put the three of them in there together. Um, I don't know. Unconvinced, unconvinced. But look, he's he's um, he's a good player. I like his versatility. I, I don't think we're. Um, I don't think he's a bad midfielder by any stretch. But um, I, I think that he he looks better as a midfielder um, with every passing weak midfield performance, which <laughs> seems to be the case right now. Um, yeah, McRoy. He didn't. He didn't impress particularly in a whole season of playing centre midfield last season or the large part of the season. 
Well, that's one that's clearly going to run and run. I mean, you'll still find plenty of people out there that will uh, swear blind to you that Graham Shinney is a left-back and only a left-back. Exactly. Um, what I liked about him at right-back last night, though, is his just absolute determination not to be beaten defensively, you know, and his determination that people weren't going to get past him easily. I, I, I just feel with Calvin, and again, in the long run, he will be absolutely fine, but he is much more of a threat going forward that really mask what he gives to a team defensively, I think. And um, Saturday is going to be a, you know, it's going to be a game where we, you know, we can't allow people to, to get past us easily and, and get crosses in easily and um, put chances away like the, the first goal easily. We've spoken about how bad the first half was. There was, again, a, a major shift at halftime. Not the first time we've seen this under Stephen Glass. I mean, how he was doing it right at the outset of the season and some of those European games. Uh, a change of shape, two substitutes at halftime. And it works. It just works much better. I don't know whether Celtic have been lulled into a false sense of, secu- a false sense of security. Almost the ultimate uh, rope-a-dope, uh, Phil, because you know they'd spent most of that first half just with easy possession, 2-0 up, coasting. So they come out in the second half and suddenly, from nowhere, a contest erupts. Yeah, I think we had more of the ball is, is the first thing to say. You know, it's that's not hard given that we were, you know, running about all over the place in the in the first half, not really having anything of it. But, you know, you see all of a sudden a willingness to, to actually pick up the ball and, and find a man and, and run at pace at Celtic. And obviously, you know, both goals come from set pieces which is is fine you know i think you know if you no shame in that because you know although we it's it's certainly you know there was i think particularly in, in the wide spaces you know bringing on ojo I, I i wasn't sure how that was gonna change anything because you know i was kind of maybe hoping we'd see a bit more purpose going forward but and i didn't think ojo was going to provide that but like, to his absolute credit you know he made such a difference and seeing McCrory at right back was, you know, it vastly improved things. So, you know, it was, it was just, it was a much more purposeful second half and, and they must have had a rocket at half time because, you know, all of it, it was just, it was chalk and cheese and it was very refreshing and frustrating in equal measure. Cause just think, you know, where was this energy? Where was this drive in the first half? Yeah, and that's really the similarity between the two games this week, isn't it, Christy? You know, finding a reaction when you're already 2-0 down is pretty pointless. Yeah, so really frustrating. We give ourselves such a mountain to climb, and then, and then you get that momentum going. You get a little bit of something, but but we're just we're too far behind. There's just not enough in us to actually um, to actually get the job done. It's, it's why concede? Why work so hard for our goals? Why huff and puff so much if we're just going to concede as as weakly as we do? It's incredibly. Um, irritating as a fan but god knows what it's like as a player you must be if you're if you're a, a decent experienced player um a lewis ferguson type or a scott brown type who's, who's played in some good teams you must be looking around you and thinking why on earth like what are these guys doing what are my teammates doing just just letting this happen where's their where's their fight um i'm always skeptical about the halftime rocket kind of chat because most of the time it's it's just a bit of regression to the mean. Most of the time, it's just we we inevitably played a bit better in the second half because we couldn't have 
played that badly, like with with as much with as many good players as we have. It's difficult to sustain that bad a performance for as long as that. But and, and obviously, when we got a bit of positive momentum going, we built on it. But um, but yeah, I, I don't so I don't know if it was management intervention because you would have hoped the manager would have intervened in exactly the same way against Livingston, and it clearly had no effect. We got worse um, until we got the positive momentum. My my hunch is that we're um, fragile mentally and it, and it takes a little bit of positive momentum or to to get the the players believing again um which is which shouldn't be the case you know these are professionals um but but that does seem to be the case when we go behind we we do not have much fight in us until something goes our way until we get a goal out of nowhere we get a, a goal from a set piece we get you know christian ramirez pops up with one and then okay and then then we start to believe then we start to think all right something might happen here and, and players crank it up by 10 percent, 20 percent um but it's, it's too little too late it's um it's really not good enough um throughout the team honestly throughout the team and you would hope like lewis ferguson obviously um well, he's not exactly exempt from criticism, but but he's been, you know, probably the standout this season. Always seems to to give his best every game. Um, Brown probably similar, but um, so many and Johnny Hayes too. But so many of the other players just look like they they don't have the the heart for it, um, and until we get some positive momentum going, and until the others around them start to lift them up. Um, yeah, and. It was a crazy six minutes in the game. From from what had not been a contest, we did start the second half. We were higher at the pitch. We saw a bit more of the ball. And because of that, we started to create one or two half chances. There was McCrory getting to the byline and just putting it a little bit too far out of Ramirez's reach. Um, then we won a free kick in a good position. And, you know, credit. Both the goals come from set pieces, obviously. Um, the first one is clearly about the work that they've done on the training ground to execute that because they've um, it, <laughs> they did it in Iceland earlier this season and um, they did it again last night and it worked out and then the second is more about just the quality of the delivery and um, you know we spoke about uh, Calvin Ramsey um, putting in good balls being um, a threat from set pieces well we hadn't really seen too much of uh, Funzo Ojo playing that kind of cross from a dead ball in this season but he put it absolutely on the money and it's a Prodigious leap from Lewis Ferguson. Um, the goal scorers last night, um, Christie's already spoken about it, Phil, but you know, if you're looking for people with pass marks this season, you would pick them, wouldn't you? I mean, those are the guys that can that you would say from this season are, are at least on a personal level um, salvaging a little bit of pride. Yeah, I think it's interesting, actually, the amount of goals that Ferguson has scored this season. Obviously, he's on penalties, but he, it's something that has really added to his game. And particularly when you think about all the speculation in the summer and there was the questions about, you know, is, is his head going to be in it? He really has stepped up and it's it's the sort of performances that we've needed for some time. And also on Ramirez, I mean, how many times have we seen that set piece come off under McInnes? It was a, it was a regular attempt that we made, you know, to play that sort of fizzed ball along the deck from a set piece and you would either see an air shot or you would see the ball get blazed into the stands. And we tried it twice with Ramirez now, possibly more than maybe unsuccessful attempts, but they don't spring to mind and it's come off. And it's a sign of how good a finisher he actually is because that is not 
an easy ball to hit when it's coming at you from that angle and at that pace and you know being able to wrap your foot around it and control it it's a sign of how good a finisher he actually is and it's it's increasingly frustrating that we're not giving him more service yeah, he's a beautifully clean connector of the football, Christy, isn't he? He surprised me with how good he is in and around the box. However, um, as a link player, which obviously when he's playing one up top, he kind of needs to be if the system's really going to work, uh, he struggles a bit. But electric within the penalty box. I mean, it's Adam Rooney all over again, isn't it? Just, um, <laughs> just me to play, you know, target man, me to do the donkey work, um, target man duties and just isn't built for it but absolutely comes alive inside the box like ramirez is a limited player as rooney was as scott vernon was but um anyone who can get you know 15 to 20 goals a season for us or, or even higher ideally um they they deserve um, they're the least of our problems put it that way they deserve lots of credit particularly um, when they spend so much of the time outside the area it's just um, I don't know I know I know two up top isn't the way isn't the done way in football these days and basically target men don't exist but my goodness how good would Ramirez be with someone doing more of the physical work for him that would be great to see I know we'll never see it but. Um, the guy, the guy can finish. So having, actually... I think if you had, if sorry, if you had someone a bit more with a bit more work rate than Jets, but someone built like Jets, because I, yes. I think when we, we saw those two <laughs> yeah. play together at the start of the at the start of the campaign, you know, there was it was clearly there was something there, but obviously, you know, Jet just just isn't a long term option. So I think you know you're right about your comment about the target man is absolutely spot on and. You know, if we could find someone that just the ball sticks to them when they're in that sort of final third to give the wide players a bit more time to to get themselves into an area that can threaten and so that Ramirez does get that ball that nine out of ten times he's probably, you know, the shot's going to be on target. You know, that has got to be, you know, something that's addressed and something that's looked at. Yeah, for all the criticism that Emmanuel Thomas is rightly going to receive for his lack of goals and his lack of contribution to goals, and his spells in as a starter have tended to coincide with some of our better runs of form um, and some of our more free-scoring runs of form as well. Um, so as much as he's definitely disappointed in terms of bagging a number of goals, I think he's maybe been slightly unlucky to play as little as he has since Christmas, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, he's... He's not the solution, but I, I think in terms of being able to share that workload, it, it, it's something to be considered because, because yes, um, it, there are some basics um, that Christian Ramirez does lack when he's outside the box, but boy, oh boy, he's a, he's a good finisher. Um, and he showed that again last night, another good clean strike of the ball to get us back into the game. But having having climbed that mountain and done what was seemingly impossible 15 minutes before and got back to 2-2, two, two, <sighs> it's, it's football, isn't it? How many seconds was it? Do we know? It's 64, it 64. I believe. 64. <sighs> frustrating isn't really the word, is it, Christy? It's just, it, 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 it's frustrating. Yes, they look good, good, good players and can punish you, but I don't actually blame them for not 
seeing the foul at a time and not giving the offside because the guy's interfering because you're going to track from Colin's perspective you're going to track the ball you're going to track the person that runs onto the ball it's you know we talk about you know being delight, delighted of that VAR isn't here but VAR would have ruled that goal out last night but it's also about us just not quite doing the basics right Ojo kind of is with um, Yota and then just lets him go. You know, nobody again. Nobody seems to want to take responsibility to track his run. It's it felt entirely preventable at the time, and nothing I've seen in any of the replays have suggested otherwise. It's completely preventable, and um, the yeah, the, I don't know. Like like you say, I, I don't particularly blame the referee. For that one, I thought it was a foul, but um, I, I don't think you could realistically expect the ref to see it. I don't know. By the way, I, you mentioned uh, people are glad that VAR isn't here. Am I? Am, have I missed a meeting? I would love VAR in Scottish football. That's, um, no, <laughs> not for me. I mean, haven't nope. we had stonewall penalties denied in, in the last God knows how many games, or, or game-changing decisions anyway that Lewis Ferguson won and. Livingston, the um, the McGregor on Hedges, um, yeah, they would have been cleared up right away by VAR. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I live in Italy and I see it um, implemented well um, by competent officials. So, so maybe, uh, maybe I'm naive. <laughs> That's the word, that competent. Would, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm naive <laughs> think that would transpose to Scotland, but. Um, but regardless, you know, the the goal was so avoidable. It was. Like you said, Richard. I mean, frustrating almost wasn't the word. I was almost like laughing. It was so. It was so predictable. That was the thing that got me because it was the. It was, the exact, same. It was the perfect example of our weaknesses all season. Um, we we go and work hard for our goals, and then we go give away one that you could have stopped, three or four different ways, not just with the referee's whistle. Um, nobody going to go in and, and take charge of it um, and and prevent that goal. And uh, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I wasn't laughing, but it was it was almost you know exasperating. Um, just seeing it over and over again, the amount of goals that we're losing um, by by allowing by lack of concentration. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Just the lack of concentration, the lack of fight. The lack of heart in the fight in the defensive third, um, and and we deserved everything we got for that because you can't go and concede the the cheapness of goals that we conceded to Celtic yesterday, three of them, and expect to and, and make out like you deserve anything from the game. Um, entirely our fault. I think it's rather touching, Christy, that you believe that John Beaton sitting in a studio in Glasgow is somehow going <laughs> to. Um... <laughs> Avert the mistakes of a Willie Collum on the pitch in Aberdeen. Um, that is rather touching. Um, sure, <laughs> anyway, sure. no, it'll be here with us at some point. I, I think it's inescapable. So um, a lot of people have focused on that, Phil, in the aftermath, because that's what people like to do. It, it was always my thing here that you have to play well mm-hmm. enough to take that sort of thing out of the equation. And, and that's what Christy rightly says. We, we we could have dealt with it in a number of different ways before it reached that point. And again, it just speaks to me of a, a lack of decisiveness, almost a lack of leadership in that back line. Yeah, I think lack of leadership is a, is a very good point. I think in that sense, we've missed 
we've missed somebody like Andy Considine, you know, a sort of reliable figure who, you know, could take charge. And we've, we've not seen that. I think in terms of the offside, yes, it's offside, but you're not going to get that without VAR. And I, I just don't like what VAR does to football. I'd rather see, you know, better referees. I know I'm probably, you know, making a bit of an unrealistic wish for that one, but it's it's not going to happen. It's not it's not an option exactly. So, um, you know, we've seen a lot of poor decisions. Uh, unfortunately, probably about you know several decisions a game at the moment. But you you can't put yourself, you know, as you were saying, Richard, you can't put yourself in a position where you're relying on you know the the right call to be made. You've got to play to the whistle and the organisation for the third goal just wasn't good enough. You know, I think, you know, Matty Kennedy somehow ends up in the, the back line, which shows you that, you know, something's not right, as in, you know, he's playing in between the centre halves, I think. And I think Bates kind of switches off a touch. Gallagher seems to sort of shout for the offside without actually playing. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you, you put Jota in that position, obviously he's, he's going to, He's going to finish. So you can't leave yourself in that position. And, you know, after the goal, you're just thinking, you know, dig in for five minutes here, you know, just show a sort of a fortitude. And, you know, we could probably, you know, we could fashion a chance to win the game. And, you know, you put yourself 3-2 behind after you've done the hard work. It You just leave yourself with such a climb. And obviously, you know, we didn't really create anything too clear-cut from memory that would give us that chance and and there you go you know Celtic are good enough they'll hold on to win the game No that 5-6 minutes when you know we scored the first and uh, Ramirez and bangs in another excellent finish but for the offside goal we get the equaliser and then immediately lose the game settles down after that but as it often does after those flurries um, and you know we have again we're better than we were in the first half we have more of the ball in good areas we're at least threatening their goal but nothing clear cut as you say the Lewis Ferguson header probably um, that Joe Hart pushed wide um, and then his free kick which was again a really excellent strike glad to see that he is uh, not always hitting the wall with them um, since (laughs) we come back from the uh, winter break so that was Celtic um, and then it all boils down, and frankly, all roads have been leading to this since the draw was made. It, it comes down to Motherwell in the Cup on Saturday, and um, it's it's a season, Christy, isn't it? it it's it's everything. Um, where do you start? The lineup, the side that played the second half yesterday, do they deserve to go again? Or probably, yeah, for for lack of obvious alternatives. Um, I, I don't see much to um, on the bench to suggest we should, um, you know, anyone's warranted making a big change like you like you mentioned earlier. Jet um, <laughs> Jet has been involved in many of our better performances this season, but I'm not convinced it's because of Jet. No, me neither. <laughs> so I don't really. I mean, Jenks. Jenks seems to have something going on, but but not enough of it. Not consistently enough. Mackenzie started well, but he's he's um, you know incredibly tactically naive, and I don't think he's the answer yet by any stretch. Um, so yeah, for for lack of better options, I'm I'm really not seeing. Um, a whole lot on the bench or in the reserves or um, that we should 
stick in. I think we need to go with it and, and trust the team that we put out in the second half uh, yesterday. Um, the Motherwell game at Pataudry, I guess it must have been just around December time, um, we got beat 2-0 and that really burst our bubble because we had a little run going with, uh, I guess, maybe November when, when we um, drew at Ibrox, we, we uh, beat Hibson Hearts and then we lost 2-0 to Motherwell with, again, just unbelievably cheap goals. The, the big um, Dutch fella up top scored two headers and that was us again just, um, just right back in the mire. And, um, yeah, Motherwell have, have had a habit of doing that to us. Uh, I, I reckon we'll I reckon we'll go win. I reckon we'll, um, we'll get it done because um, the pattern seems to be that, that glass, whenever the heat is on, somehow we do just enough to take the heat off him for a minute, for a, for a month or so, um, before, before we go back into it. But, my goodness, the players are going to have to take on the responsibility um, we need a huge performance we need a huge win and it would be a huge win going to Motherwell and winning is um, never easy and um, yeah I'm, I'm, I reckon we'll do it but it's going to be on the players because um, yeah I don't think I don't think this is a tactical thing I don't think this is a management thing I think we just need some really big performances um, well Phil Christie seems to be putting his faith in nothing more than a statistical chance. Uh, do, do you <laughs> I have, wish I shared that confidence, believe me. Do you have anything more tangible to, to stick our hopes on? I mean, Fir Park is never an easy place to go. I think we've had a good record there over the last sort of 10 years or so, but, you know, it's back to the wall stuff. And for me, I, I'm kind of, I don't know what it is. I just think it might be the game for Jet. I think, you know, have him play close to Ramirez and just make life difficult for them. I don't know if it's a game for Jenks, who is a bit more technical, as in, you know, can can sort of make those runs. But I just, I, I, I just think it might be the, the time to unleash the jet. And, you know, I, I've not, obviously we've not seen much of him playing in the same team as, as Bassayan. And, you know, I'm not sure who would play on the, on the other flank. I thought... One thing I forgot to mention is I think for somebody who hasn't played much football this season um, and has struggled with with fitness, I think I thought Matty Kennedy was was pretty decent last night. And you know whether he's ready to to start a game, not sure. But I think he showed enough yesterday to to definitely be in the manager's thoughts for a start. So I think you know up top, you know if you're looking at you know getting those chances for Ramirez, you know, having someone who can cross the ball like Kennedy in there would be a, would be a decent shout. Um, and obviously, you know, you just kind of have to hope that Bassayan is, you know, it's a game that suits him. Um, but I, I, I just think we have to be physical. We have to, to show a sort of you know, a, a bastard-like quality, if I can say that, to, to try and get the result. Uh, yeah, Phil, you can swear here. That's absolutely fine. Um, I know that. I'm allowed one. I know that. However, you you don't appear to be uh, offering any more signs of optimism, which is fair enough. Uh, I mean, Christy, you spoke about the Petardry game. The Far Park game, of course, is famously famously the day where Alan Burrows was so overcome with the display of Aberdeen that day that he chose to phone up Dave Cormack and congratulate uh, the Aberdeen chairman on how fantastically his side had played. Uh, but it was, of course, another 2-0 defeat for us. So we don't have the record 
not just against Motherwell, but in games like this, against sides who Motherwell are a bit more direct than a lot of teams in the league, but first and foremost, they are set up to stop you playing. Yes, um, but they're also on a poor run of form. Their, their fans have been um, starting to turn on Alexander recently as well, so I gather. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. Like Motherwell have caused us. Motherwell have been really problematic for us this season um, in those two, two nils. But, um, I don't know, this is a decent time to get them. I, I just think... Like if the game, if the full time whistle had gone at forty five minutes yesterday, I would have said we we have no chance. We are so bad. Um, there was just enough in the second half, just enough of a glimmer, to give me a bit of optimism. Plus, you know, I'm optimistic by nature. I always think we're going to win the next game. But but this, um, yeah, this is just huge. It's just huge. It's a poor Motherwell team. Um, since they lost Tony Watt, they've not been good. Like I said, since Alexander signed the new contract, the fans haven't been thrilled um i think also i don't know like to to go have a deep cup run going to fair park it's, it's pretty standard it's it's not the toughest game out there um we're gonna need to we're gonna need to find our balls somehow and um, i think this could be the could be the game for us it's, um as you said in your setup richard it's it's you know feels quite quite like a defining um, game for the season and for Glass's tenure potentially. The Dundee United 3-0 defeat last season was the first, like, was my first inkling, like, oh God, this guy is hopelessly technically naive. And um, <laughs> I'd like to say he's, he's um, won me over since then and he absolutely hasn't. But, um, you know, at least then we had we had the feeling of, okay, well, the rest of the season is, is Glass sort of getting familiar with the team. This season, if we lose, we'll have absolutely nothing. Top six fight? Is that is that the best? You know, is that the only excitement we're going to have? God, I can't even uh, I can't even stomach the thought of our season basically ending on Saturday, so I'm going to go for the victory. Okay, we will take that tiny little barely glowing ember of optimism and we will blow on it and nurture it uh, and end the show there before it gets because i think that's pretty much all we can offer you at this point i will um, say i will say just before we finish i think it, it does have turning point potential and when we won the league cup we had to go to far park and we had okay. to get the result and we did and if we do get the win it's it's a big boost of confidence and you know obviously the st johnston game is arguably even bigger i would say no i, I wouldn't say that actually i'm going to try that straight away because you want a decent cup run but you know we can't be fighting out for top six we just can't we've got it you know six points off fourth place it's not out with our grasp we just we have to get something going Okay, another tiny little ember. And uh, if you want statistical quirk, uh, both of our last cup victories, in fact, featured a win at Fir Park. Names on the trophy, lads. Names <laughs> on the trophy. Sorry, sorry. Just going to say that game at Fir Park last time. What was that? 2014. One of my all-time favourite games. That was so good. I was living in Glasgow yeah. at the time and was there. And uh, the bounce for uh, Johnny Hayes' goal. Actually, for Constantine's too, but for Johnny Hayes' goal. Outrageous. Right, uh, that is that's a much more positive note to end on. Well done, people. I knew we could do it if we tried. Uh, my thanks uh, tonight uh, on a tough assignment after uh, an 
another tough week for the Dons. Uh, my thanks to Christy Keenan. Christy, thanks. My pleasure, Richard. Cheers. And to Phil McDonald. Phil, thanks again. Thank you. A cathartic experience, all right. Appreciate it. <laughs> we'll be back next week to uh, see whether we're still in the Scottish Cup or not. Fingers crossed that we are. Until then, come on, you Reds. Thank you.